We're in Acts today, and so let me invite you to open up God's Word with me now to the New Testament book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 14 primarily, but also looking into Acts chapter 20, verse 28, for a message titled, Shepherds Under the Chief Shepherd. Shepherds Under the Chief Shepherd. We're going to jump right in this morning, so let me let me encourage you to open the Scriptures or to turn them on or to find a pew Bible. Certainly always my encouragement so that you can look on and see the Word of God for yourself. But as you find your place there in the New Testament book of Acts, would you join me standing for the reading of, of God's Word. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 23, and then chapter 20, verse 28. Let's hear the Word of the Lord. The Bible says they, referring to Paul and Barnabas, preached the gospel in that city, the city of Derby, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and, with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Now a few pages over, chapter 20. The text we recently studied together just a few weeks ago, chapter 20, verse 28, Paul's words to the elders of the church in Ephesus. Listen to what he says. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Do you pause with me for prayer? And, oh, God, this morning we thank you for your word. We desire to hear from you through your word. So, Lord, lead us now, guide us now, instruct us now by the presence and guidance of your Holy Spirit through the preaching of your word. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever taken the long way home? Ever taken the, the, uh, the, the longer path to get somewhere where you were going. Yesterday we had uh, softball and uh, we had softball in the booming metropolis of Centerville, Alabama over in Bibb County, not to be confused with Centerville, Alabama down in Conecuh County. But uh, looking at how to arrive at this particular destination, I put it in the map and then we began to travel and then looking at the map later, it felt like we were sort of going the wrong direction for a little while to get ultimately where we were going, but it just so happens that that's the way, the path that you take to get to southwest of Birmingham to to Bibb County, to a remote part of Bibb County. You got to go uh, 280 west, which we all know really from here is north and west before going west and then back down south. But here in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas have been on a journey. Their first missionary journey. They've been traveling throughout the Mediterranean world, preaching the gospel, sharing Christ. And believers or unbelievers are repenting and turning to faith in Jesus Christ. And they come to the end of that journey. And rather than taking the short way home, they take the long way home so that they can revisit these particular stops along the way where they've seen people respond uh, with faith in Christ in order to instruct the believers, to encourage the believers, and to appoint leadership in the local church. And so here's the truth I want us to see from God's Word today. Christ equips His church with shared leadership 
for the congregation's good and his glory. Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the Lord of the church, the Lord of the nations, he equips his church with shared leadership for the congregation's good and for his glory. That's, that's what I want us to consider today and uh, the next two Sundays. We're going to lean into this a bit more, something that's probably uh, new, at least in part, to many of us, something that the Lord has put on my mind a number of years ago and has continued to impress upon me ever since, and that's this, shared leadership, shared spiritual leadership in the local church. And so today we begin a new series titled Leading God's People, a biblical case for church elders. Leading God's people, a biblical case for uh, church elders. And I don't know where your mind goes as soon as you hear that or, or read that, but I just want to, to caution all of us. Let's hear from the word before we begin thinking about anything else down the road. It's like just a few minutes ago, you may have seen my son uh, who has a Tough time sitting still, Paxson. He was over there thinking about baseball. I've been playing baseball. I could see he was practicing. I said, Paxson, let's play baseball later. Let's worship God right now. So let's let's hear from the Lord. Let's hear what God has to say through his word before we begin thinking about, okay, where's the pastor going with this? What does this mean? Let's, let's hear from the scriptures today. And before we go any further... Let me just say, this is new territory for many of us. Like, we, we don't use, we, we read that, we hear that. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. What is that about? We don't use the word elder at Meadowbrook uh, unless we're saying something like, hey, you, we, we need to respect our elders, in which case uh, we're talking about those who are older, those who are more seasoned in life than the rest of us. But elder, as we see here and elsewhere, is is a biblical word, and so that's why I'm using it. Church, I, I know by now that you want to hear what the Bible has to say. Like you're, you're a people who love the Lord and who love His Word, and you have a heart to hear from the Lord through His Word. And as your pastor, I praise God that you want His Word. Praise God that you're a Bible people, that you want to sit under the authority of God's Word and to hear from Him. His Word is what we need. It's what we need. His Word is good. It's so good. It is, it is God-breathed. The Word of God is God-breathed, meaning because God is pure and He is perfect and He is honest, His Word is also pure and perfect and honest. It tells the truth. Praise God that His Word, the Bible, reveals His character and His plan. His plan to rescue sinners. Oh, praise God. He, he desires to be known by us. Praise God. He tells us how to know Him and how to walk with Him as His rescued people, as His redeemed people. Like as believers, we want to hear what the Scriptures have to say. And so that's our aim. We want to be faithful. We want to be committed to God's word. And I believe his word is quite clear on this. Christ equips his church with shared leadership for the congregation's good and and his glory. So let's break that down just a few minutes this morning. Christ equips his church. The church belongs to Jesus. The church belongs to to Jesus. This is not my church. This is not your church. 
This is the Lord's church. Christ himself, Christ Jesus is the head of his church and he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. And so any church leader or leadership structure best acknowledge the ownership of Christ the King over his church. So here, Paul, Paul calls for the elders in Acts chapter 20. He calls for the elders or the pastors, also known as pastors of the church in Ephesus. And he gives them this charge. Listen to what he says to them in Acts 20 verse 28. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Christ purchased his bride. He purchased his body, the body of Christ. He purchased his bride with his own blood. And so anything and everything the church does should shout the mercy and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps there's some gathered in a room like this this morning that they don't know Christ. You don't know what in the world I'm talking about here. I'm talking about leadership structure. You're thinking, I don't know. I don't care anything about that. I'm here because I want to hear about Jesus. Or I want to, I'm wrestling with what I believe about who God is. And so my admonition, my encouragement, my challenge for all of us, for you particularly this morning as we open the word, is see Jesus Christ. The Lord, show us Christ. Turn to Christ. Turn from sins. And put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Savior of sinners, the one in whom we have eternal hope, the hope of glory, as those who've been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, And Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus purchased the church and he is the head of the church. He's the Lord of the church. The church belongs to Jesus. It is his church. Praise the Lord. Christ equips his church, meaning he gives her what she needs. He gives his bride just what she needs. Christ equips his church with shared leadership for the congregation's good and for his own glory. What kind of leadership? pastoral leadership. According to God's design, according to the scriptures, according to the New Testament, we see that the church is Jesus ruled and pastor led. It is Jesus ruled. He rules over it. It is his church. He's the head of the church and it is pastor led. And right here I'm using the word pastor because that's also a biblical word. It's the one that we're most familiar with. It's the one that we most often use in in our context, in our church family. But remember, as we've stated a number of times before, the New Testament uses three different words to refer to the same pastoral position. Pastor, elder, and overseer. Sometimes overseer is translated bishop in older English translations. And depending on what Christian denomination or tradition that you're in, you're likely to hear any of those three words, pastor, elder, overseer, to refer to the church's pastor. Sort of like some schools have a head of school, others have a headmaster, and still others have a 
principle, different titles used for the same position. Christ equips his church with shared leadership. How so and what for? Well, we see right here in the Bible that the Holy Spirit calls pastors to shepherd the church to follow Christ. The Holy Spirit, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit calls pastors to shepherd the church to follow Jesus Christ. Just a couple days ago, Friday morning, my youngest son, Eli, who's four years old, was in my office for just a moment. And as soon as he came in, he jumped up in uh, my desk chair here at the church and he said, Oh, look at me. I'm the pastor. I said, Son... Do do you know what the pastor does? Nope. I said, well, well, has the Holy Spirit called you? I'm just kidding. I did not ask me. The the Holy Spirit calls pastors to shepherd the church, to shepherd the church, to follow Jesus. Notice how this happened in Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. All right, so these elders were pastors. They were pastors charged with shepherding these local congregations, these new congregations, these local churches to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, in that case, used Paul and Barnabas to recognize their character, their Christian character and their maturity, their humility in the Lord, trusting the Lord to guide them and committing these particular leaders to the Lord Jesus Christ. Since the church belongs to Christ, these elders or pastors or overseers are serving under Christ. The Holy Spirit calls pastors or elders to shepherd the church to follow Christ. The Holy Spirit calls them. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So the Holy Spirit calls pastors and he calls them to shepherd the congregations to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Be shepherds of the church of God. It is his church. In all honesty, in that conversation with my son, I I did ask Eli. He said, no. I said, said, do you know what a pastor does? Nope. What does daddy do? Preach. Preach what? God. Son, you're right. You're right. And I thought to myself, by God's grace, may it always be. May the preacher proclaim not a secular theory, nor a political party, Right? Not, not a personal agenda, nor a false gospel, but may the preacher forever preach the glory and the grace of Almighty God. This is, this is why Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you what? The testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except what? Except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul says, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. 
So why do we preach Christ? Why do we proclaim the riches of God's grace through His death and His resurrection? Not simply on Easter Sunday as we did last week, but week after week after week after week. Why do we open the Scriptures and teach the good news of God's forgiveness through faith in Christ? Exhorting one another, exhorting believers from the Bible to follow Jesus Christ. We do so because pastors are called to shepherd the church to follow Christ. Jesus ruled and pastor led. Now the other church office listed in the New Testament is deacon. And we recently unpacked that biblical role just a few weeks ago when we set aside Eric Canals to serve in that capacity in our own faith family. So we're not going to camp out there today. But remember that pastors are servant Leaders called to shepherd the church to follow Christ, while deacons are leading servants who help care for the church's practical needs. The vast majority of church members, you know this, aren't pastors or deacons. And if that's you, you still have a role to play. Each one of you, according to the scriptures, have been given gifts by God for the well-being of the church, called to serve one another in the church, serving one another, and to seek the Lord's direction for the church together. In other words, if you're a faithful member, membership matters, if you're a faithful member of the local church, then you have a voice, and the church needs your voice, for the Bible provides a model of congregational governance. The Bible provides a model of congregational governance. As Baptists, we're a congregational people, meaning that we operate through democratic processes. And we do so not simply out of preference. This is not simply a preference, but because we believe that's the New Testament model. Jesus ruled, pastor led, and congregationally governed. We don't have time to turn there this morning, but you may want to jot down Acts chapter 6 that we looked at a few weeks ago, or 1 Corinthians chapter 5, biblical references that portray the whole congregation making leadership and membership decisions together. And for us, in our context, this is why we have regular uh, business meetings or members meetings, as they're called in some churches. We've got one this week coming up, Wednesday night, 545. Be there in the fellowship hall, right? This is why we have such meetings and why the church votes on major church decisions. Things like bylaws revisions or leadership positions, accepting new members and the church budget. The Bible provides a model of congregational governance. And finally, we see the biblical pattern is multiple elders leading each local church. The biblical pattern that we see here in the passages that I referenced already and some others is one of multiple elders or pastors leading each local church. And I know we don't don't have much time this morning, but here's where we're going to camp out for the rest of our time today. We're going to unpack this more over the next couple Sundays. So track with me here. Jesus ruled. He purchased us with his own blood. The church belongs to him. Pastor or elder-led pastors shepherding the church to follow Jesus, the one to whom we belong, and congregationally governed, meaning every member is responsible and has a voice. 
And the New Testament pattern is, is multiple elders or multiple pastors or overseers leading each local church. Now, this is where our present structure here at, at Meadowbrook veers a bit from the biblical pattern that I'm proposing. And the key difference is this. Shared spiritual leadership. Shared spiritual leadership, meaning the model portrayed in the New Testament is a plurality of elders responsible for leading and shepherding each church in each town. Let me just say this, kind of like on the front end. Now this is, this is not, this is not a primary gospel issue, right? So to, to illustrate that, I'll say this, in our, in our home, um, we have not had ice in the home for more than 10 months. Right? We've moved in a new home. We've been doing renovation stuff. All of a sudden, a few days ago, we finally got an ice maker in the home. Dad's pretty proud of that. Like We had to do some crazy finagling stuff to get that where we wanted it to go. But it, it is there, and it is making ice. And so this morning, my, my daughter, my oldest, Kinsley, I uh, was asking her, hey, can I get you something to drink? Get you something to drink for breakfast. She says, yeah, um, I'll take some ice water with ice in it. <laughs> Is there any other kind of ice water? So I, we're, we haven't had ice. We're, we're loving ice. There's nothing wrong with water without ice, right? It's fine. It's suitable. It's just not the best. All right, so that's what I'm saying. That's what I'll unpack over the next couple weeks and beyond, Lord willing, that the way that we're structured and leading is, is not bad, right? I, I, I'm not saying it's even unfaithful. It's not bad, but I, I don't think it's... It's best. So stay with me. Let's see this together. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, plural, more than one, for them in each church, singular, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Multiple elders, meaning more than one pastor, charged with leading each church. Likewise, Paul says similarly, Titus chapter 1, verse 5. He says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So so notice that Paul tells Titus, he says to Titus, appoint elders, plural, more than one, in every town, implying in every church, in each town with a church. And then he goes on in Titus chapter 1 to list various qualifications for those that are to be set aside and put in that particular pastoral office and describes them as overseers. Likewise, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He says, uh, the elders, plural, who direct the affairs of the church, singular, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And we'll dive into this text a bit more next week. So see the pattern. Multiple elders in each church. And one more place, Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Backing up from that verse that we read a few moments ago. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for who? For the elders, plural, of the church. So who are these elders of the church? The pastors. Pastor, elder, overseer. Three different words to describe the same pastoral position. The point I'm aiming to make is shared spiritual leadership. 
Not just shared decision-making, not even just shared leadership, shared pastoral, shared spiritual leadership. Christ equips his church with shared leadership for the congregation's good and his glory. How so? How is this kind of shared leadership good for the church and glorifying to God? Well, three, three ways, real quickly. Number one, shared spiritual leadership highlights Christ's supremacy. Shared spiritual leadership highlights Christ's supremacy. The primary calling of every pastor, of every elder, of every overseer is to shepherd God's people in ways that point them to the good shepherd. Right? The the one who lays down his life for the sheep. To point them to to the chief shepherd who rules over every under-shepherd. Every pastor, every who rules over every under-shepherd and to whom every under-shepherd will give an account. This is why Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5 to elders. He says, be shepherds of, of God's flock. Not your flock. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Shepherds under the chief shepherd, which means a pastor's ministry should mirror that of Christ. And that a pastor's leadership is one of servitude, like Christ. And that a pastor's message but must be one which makes much of Christ. And when that's the case, Christ the King and the head of the church is exalted. But when the church is built on something else, when it's built on the name or the gifts or the personality or the charisma of the one on the platform, sometimes we're tempted to make more of the messenger than we are of the Messiah. Well, church, may God humble those of us who have the weighty privilege of standing before his people in the pulpit. And may he guard us against ever confusing the grace and the glory of the risen Christ with the charisma of those called to make much of Jesus Christ. I want to be kind and careful here. But, But I think this is why A streaming worship service in the context where such is not needed is a disservice to the church. Is a disservice to believers gathering as their primary avenue and means of corporate worship and sitting under the proclamation of the word. I can say much more about that. I want to be very careful about that. In many instances, that, that very well could be the need of the hour, the need of the day, and certainly is for some in our own context. But where such is not needed, what are we teaching one another? That proclaiming the Word of God is a professional pursuit and not something for which we should be training up leaders in the church to proclaim the risen and exalted Lord Jesus Christ. Shared spiritual leadership broadens the voice of leadership and the responsibility of leadership in ways that rightly done highlights Christ's supremacy as the head of the church. He's the Lord of the church. It's not Chris's church. It's Christ's church. Christ equips his church with shared leadership 
the congregation's good and his glory. Shared spiritual leadership highlights Christ's supremacy. Real quickly, two more things. Shared spiritual leadership offers pastoral help. Pastoral help. Pastoral ministry is rewarding. I cannot imagine doing anything else with my life. It's rewarding. May the Lord raise up men, young men, men of all ages from this local faith family who pursue that call as the Lord gifts them for that purpose. It's rewarding, but it's, it's tiring. It is tiring. It doesn't matter the size of the church. The task of faithfully shepherding God's people never ends. It is not something you complete. Committee meetings to attend, decisions to make, a family to lead, a staff to lead, parishioners to counsel, men to disciple, sermons to prepare, visits to make, associations, conventions, and conferences to attend, none of which can faithfully be fulfilled apart from walking with Jesus Christ through constant prayer and time in His Word. Church pastoral ministry is, is rewarding but tiring, and it's, it's revealing. Like no, no single pastor, no matter how gifted, has every gift needed to lead a local church. Lord knows, and so do you, that I don't. It's, it's revealing. A plurality of elders sharing the weight of shepherding provides varied gifts, support, wisdom for leading through difficulty. Times like global pandemics, by the way. Through difficulty, but not just through difficult. From day to day, shared spiritual leadership highlights Christ's supremacy, offers pastoral help, and finally affords necessary accountability. Accountability. I'm going to talk more about help and accountability the next two weeks. But we all know spiritual leaders who've fallen. We, we live in a sin-saturated world. Christ has certainly taken the penalty of sin. He has defeated the power of sin, but we still live in a place filled with sin. We still live with temptation. We still live in a world of sin. And so often they've fallen as sinners under the weight of ministry without necessary accountability. And as a result, the church has suffered and Christ's name, His reputation has been tainted. Well, church, may the Spirit of Christ protect the bride of Christ for the glory of Christ and the good of His church. Christ equips His church with shared leadership for the congregation's good and His glory. You see, Christ really cares about His bride. He cares deeply about His church. He loves His people. He gives His bride everything she needs to know and follow Him. So may we trust Him. May we exalt Him. Him, may we bow under Him, and may we trust His Word to guide us in that pursuit. I will trust my Savior, Jesus, when my darkest doubts befall. Trust Him when to simply trust Him seems the hardest thing of all. Would you pray with me? Jesus, only Jesus. Help us trust you. Help us trust you more and more. Jesus, only Jesus, may our hearts
be ever yours. Amen.